Welcome to Day Zero Update for February 5th, 2022. I'm your host, Chris Logi. I'm Jandra Victorio. And I'm Felipe Bonofo. Yeah, we've got a bit of a different crew this week. We're also recording a day earlier because it is Brandon and mine's birthday uh, tomorrow, Sunday. Yep. So we didn't want to do a podcast that night. So we're just like, oh, screw it. We'll do it the day before. Yep. Uh, then Brandon has some other stuff going on, I believe. Uh, tonight so he is out for this week's show should be back next week yeah life happens yeah uh but you know we're not short on news this week uh we've got your subscription stuff going on there's a big gran turismo 7 state of play that uh, showed off a lot of what that game has to offer uh we finally have a date for gta 5 and gta online on the new consoles finally Thing was supposed to come out, I think a year and a half ago. It's finally coming out. Uh, we got news on MLB The Show 22. What Club Games is working on next? Uh, let's see, a couple of big acquisitions here and some sales stuff going on, as well as some companies that are doing very stupid things. We'll get to that stuff here a little bit later, but we'll talk about what we've been playing. I've uh, been playing some more Pokemon Legends Arceus, uh, enjoying it. I think I just got to the part where they reveal that uh, there's this Cleavor uh, Pokemon that is going wild, and they want you to deal with it because nobody else has the capabilities of doing anything about it uh, at this point. Uh, then the guy shrubs like, oh, you need more inventory spots? I'll sell them to you at increasingly higher prices because he's a scam artist that way. Yeah, I've gone to a point where it costs $4,000 or whatever it costs to get slots. And yeah. actually, that's my main annoyance with the game so far, just the uh, item management. But other than that, we're good. Yeah, it would be nice if you could, I don't know, manage that stuff a bit better. Because uh, it, it doesn't offer a way to auto-sort it, but it puts Pokeballs in like the middle of it. Or towards the bottom, where I figure that'd be like the one of the more important things to have at the top. Yeah, the way I've gotten around that is just favoriting items, and then the favorites always stay at the top. Okay, it's sort of like the the Pokemon boxes that I don't think you can sort at all. That I'm not sure of. Yeah, I think you can only just do a search to tell it what you're looking for, but even then, it'll just be like, ah, oh, here's the ones that fit, and it just highlights them. Everything else gets dimmed. It's weird. Uh, that's annoying. Uh, the side quest stuff, it seems like the side quests are all kind of not worth focusing on so much. As people have their sort of ways of doing, you know, open world games where it's like, oh, I got this main quest. Let me do the side stuff first. Because you usually get good stuff out of it in most other games, XP, all that kind of stuff. And here, not so much. Uh, it seems like you get a lot of like, mid-level items at best and stuff that, uh, you know, you don't necessarily need when, you know, out in the, the areas you're exploring, you can kind of get the, the main materials to craft new Pokeballs and potions and all that kind of stuff pretty easily. Uh, those spots seem to respond fairly quickly for what is expected of you. But yeah, that means that I got to that first big fight uh, in the main quest 
uh, where you go fight the, I forget what the type of Pokemon it is. It's uh, sort of a big, like, cutting bug. I forget what it's called. But, uh, uh, the Cricketune? Yeah, the Cricketune. Yeah. And I, it was like a level 12. I had a level 18 uh, Cyndaquil. Well, it was evolved at that point. Nice. So it took like a few turns to beat it, and it was done. So I'm overleveled at this point because everything gives you levels. Essentially catching Pokemon with Pokeballs out in the field, using, well, if you use a Pokemon to gather resources, that one just gets some extra XP. Uh, but beating enemies, I believe, uh, beating Pokemon, I think also gives everybody a bit of XP, that kind of stuff. So it's a game where I don't think you're supposed to be attached to like one crew of Pokemon. You're supposed to be kind of cycling through as needs meet because you're able to, you know, acquire Pokemon at a rapid clip, even more so than in the traditional Pokemon game. Uh, so yeah, and I finally got that, uh, 32 inch Buizel on my 20th try. Uh, and there was a, a good Kotaku articles about these annoying side quests that people are trying to do. And they're very much based on random chance that, uh, it's kind of causing a lot of people, you know, to waste time in this opening area that is not supposed to be, you know, have a ton of time spent in there outside of just, you know, exploring, just looking around at what's what sort of Pokemon you can find, that kind of thing. So uh, it seems like the, the better thing to kind of do is just focus on, you know, getting your uh, levels on your Pokemons, completing your tiers in your Pokedex and uh moving forward with what you can uh, i do have an annoyance that a lot of the side quests uh, require you to give up the pokemon so i spent you know like eight hours trying to get this big weasel and even though the quest kind of makes it seem like you're just showing it to them you have to give it up and lose it so it's like oh great uh losing this weasel that i'm probably not going to go for anymore because uh, i've got 19 others I don't really need to focus so much on that uh, at this point, but yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of stuff like that. But yeah, it's still a lot of fun. So looking forward to put some more time into it now that I kind of know that I don't have to focus so much on these side quests because uh, they're not really all that worth it for what you get out of it. I'm just going to focus more on uh, trying to catch a good variety of Pokemon, maybe catch others if they uh, are around when I'm trying to get through there, uh, which I have been since I've been exploring that area around on the other side of the bridge uh, a bit more. So there's uh, a lot of good stuff in that game. Looking forward to put some more time into that. Uh, but then, uh, yeah, I streamed today Paparazzi. This is on Xbox and PC. Uh, game Pass game as well. It is essentially a photography game. Uh, if Toem is more of a straightforward sort of photography adventure game, this is more of just a silly photography kind of sandbox game. Uh, so you go into these, I think there's five areas it has. Uh, you generally get a set of objectives that you complete. There's usually like one that you have to find a specific collectible to add another objective to your list uh, for your session in that area. Uh, and a lot of them are just very silly uh, things they're asking of you, you know, find 
uh, it's pretty much all dogs that you're taking pictures of. There are a couple of quests to be like, oh, I take a picture of. I forget what they're called. They're like they're human robots that these dogs have apparently had built that uh, only pay attention to them and do things for them. Uh, you know, unlike humans, uh, that uh, uh, so occasionally you're asked to take pictures of them or there's one that's one of the the human robots gives you a request to take a picture of a duck because they hear have heard about these duck things and they're like oh can we love these like dogs you take a picture of one and it's like oh yes we love ducks too uh you know some good bit of humor in this game a lot of just silly stuff taking pictures of you know dogs with hats at a certain point dogs just have random assortments of you know clothing on them uh, and you get an ability that you can set that stuff if you want uh, i haven't really messed too much with that outside of just a couple of quests where it's like uh, we need all these dogs on this uh this stage to have hats and so you go in and just give them you know backwards ball caps and dunce caps and stuff like that a lot of like silly stuff uh uh, but yeah, it's it's a pretty fun little time. Uh, you generally can only stay in the stage for like 10 to 15 minutes at a time because you can generally get these quests done pretty quickly and then they don't keep generating more. Uh, but you do have the ability to upload them to the social media thing that the game has, which is called Dognet. And you'll get extra... Uh, the currency you have is just subscribers. Uh, so you'll upload a photo and get like quick feedback, you know, two or three people offering feedback based on various factors. And so you're trying to post stuff. And at a certain point after like maybe 10 pictures you're uploading in that session on that map, uh, you'll just start getting blocked on getting points with a spam message saying like, stop spamming that kind of thing. So they kind of keep you from, you know, staying in one area for too long. Uh, and trying to grind it out. So you're kind of just moving back and forth between areas that you get, especially because you're getting uh, time of day versions of each of the stages, like a you know morning, afternoon, evening, and night, I think, versions of each of the stages. Uh, so you kind of have a little bit of variety there. Uh, it does get pretty weird by the end as you uh, get to this like camping area that has like a whole mine inside of it. And if you throw... Like a, have you give you a quest? You like throw a hot dog in the in the pond that's in the mine, and then you see like this kind of a big snake creature slithering around in the water. It doesn't do anything. It just you see it kind of parts of its body peeking out of the water. And I think you go back at night. It's like oh, there's there's some weird alien shit going on. See what you can find uh, here, and you know, get a little bit like that. But the uh, the very final stage is where it gets to a fun, weird point at the end, but uh, I'll let people find that out on their own. So uh, let's see. Uh also been playing some more uh, Horizon Zero Dawn as the, the new game is coming out here pretty soon. So I'm looking forward to uh, getting that here in a couple of weeks. Uh, but this uh, this game, I have done probably too much side stuff in it because I was doing some story stuff set around uh, the probably the first big city area you get to, Meridian. That uh, I think the story quest I was doing was a level 15 
and my Aloy was level 34. So luckily the combat isn't balanced in such a way that, you know, like that is a super easy quest. But at that point, uh, there were some bits that are a little easier, but yeah, I am uh, sort of built out in such a way of having, you know, modifications for my weapons and all this kind of stuff that I can uh, keep up with it pretty well, but not have, you know, I've gotten some tough deaths, some tough areas where I didn't do so well, but uh, yeah, I'm going to keep putting my time into this. I just got the last of the tall necks, which are sort of their towers uh, to unveil the last part of the map that I hadn't really gotten to. So I'm still doing a little bit of the side stuff, but I'm going to probably mainline the story stuff. Cause that is kind of where the, like to get it done, not have to worry about, uh, you know, having that on the table as I get into the next game. So that's where that is. And uh, in sort of the similar vein, though not really, I've been playing a lot of Skyrim of late, uh, just kind of playing through, I'm on the PS5 version. So uh, going through doors, it's like a couple seconds load time instead of, you know, 10 to 20 seconds, whatever it was on the old consoles kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, this this game still holds up pretty well. And uh, yeah, I've been doing some of the the mainline stuff as I've got my, you know, my voice, the, the shouts uh, went up to the, uh, the, the group that is, you know, the one that helps the, the Dragonborns uh, get a second one, which is like a weird speed boost kind of thing, which I'll probably never use again. But uh, the main one you get is the, the shout that just pushes people around. Now, like using it in towns where the the guards immediately run you, like, hey, stop that! That's scaring the shit out of people. It's like, yeah, it should be. I can fuck up all these people if I want. Uh, but I'm doing a good job of uh, looting the looting as many houses as I can in White Run right now. Where I have, uh, I figured out that if you do quest for you know certain groups, uh, they let you just take a bunch of stuff in their house uh, for whatever reason. Uh, I was doing stuff for the uh, the companions, and they let you kind of loot a lot of their stuff. There's like a couple of rooms where they have things that are off limits to you, which I think I accidentally took somebody's money purse because they just leave them all over the place in their sort of living quarters. So that was uh, an unfortunate thing, but I don't think they're going to do too much. But that game still holds up pretty well and looks pretty nice on the, the new consoles. So since that next game is still a few years off at this point. Uh, that's been a fun little old thing to jump into. And then uh, also been playing some more Rocket League, uh, just as I do. So that's been pretty much it for me. So, Danerub, how about you? Um, Yeah, I'm playing two games uh, under sure. go. The one that lit soon is uh, Sifu. I've been playing Sifu uh, for a few days now. Um, I haven't been playing it as much as I like, just because uh, things are getting busy at work. But... Man, oh man, uh, this is definitely a game that I've been looking forward to for a while, and it definitely hits like uh, the notes where I need it to. If I had to make a comparison, um, I know it would, be, it would be sort of a crazy comparison, especially with the games we like, but it would be Streets of Rage. Um, the game is very much like a, uh, a side-scrolling beat-em-up uh, like Streets of Rage, where it's like, you know, you want to make sure that you're watching your combos, and at the same time, you want to make sure that you're 
avoiding um, any incoming en- enemies coming your way. So you really have to understand the hitboxes, and it sort of feels like a 3D fighting game through that approach. Um, <clears throat> so if uh, nobody has been um, following, like, you know, uh, Sifu closely, uh, what really makes this uh, different is uh, the fact that when you die, you get older in age. So you start off at 20 years old. And um, every time you die, you know, you, you go up in age. So if you, you, you die the first time, you're 21. And uh, the main thing here is if you die a string of times without killing anybody else, um, it'll, it'll compound on you. So let's say, for example, you died three straight times. Um, all of a sudden, your counter will go up because it says, oh, you know, your next death is going to be worth like three years and things like that. And basically, while you can continue as much as you want, um, once you surpass the age of 70, that next time you die is a game over. Um, and the way the game overs are treated is you actually can start at the level that, you know, that you're at, but you also start it at um, the youngest age in which you were. So... When I first played the game and I I beat the first level, which all which already was hard, um, I beat it at around age thirty three. So then when I got to level two, uh, yeah, I never even got to the final boss of the level, and things were dramatically hard. So the way you get around that is by you know completing level one again, and hopefully with the skills you've attained, you you do a better job at it. So yeah, I beat level one again, and instead of you know going into level two at age thirty three, I went down to age twenty three. And I was able to get to the end of the level twice, but I haven't quite beaten it yet. Um, it looks like there are five levels in the game. Uh, might be six, depending on how things go. But basically, your Sifu is at a vendetta where he's trying to um, kill whoever killed um, his Sifu. You know, it's your typical um, revenge story. So, you know, the, um, the story doesn't really, uh, uh, doesn't, doesn't really interest me, but it's really the gameplay that, that sets things apart. Um, melee strikes are done with the square button, triangle for strong attacks, and then you can parry with uh, uh, the, the left shoulder button, and you can dodge and run with, with the right shoulder button. So it's really like um, knowing you know, what to do with the right situation with those, and it has the old-school feel of like really studying your opponents and going from there. Um, obviously, with the boss characters, a little bit more strategy will be involved, but at the same time, like you can be killed by a regular enemy at any time, so it's really all about you know, playing defense and deciding when to be aggressive you want. And um, the main thing here is that, you know, like a game like Streets of Rage, if you start to be crowded, um, it's actually best to just, you know, avoid confrontation entirely and try to make the enemies come to you and take them out one by one. Um, and you can sort of cheese it by, you know, um, every time you get to the end of fighting an enemy, you can press a triangle and circle to do your finishing attack, and by that you'll have an animation. You know, you watch... Uh, your main character try to kill that enemy, and during that animation, no other enemies can touch you. So it's really just you know knowing your surroundings and you know um, beating them properly that way. Um, another good strategy is like finding weapons, and you know like weapons can easily break guard and things like that. But at the same time, you know uh, the weapons do uh, eventually decay and just break. So it's a matter of like again using your surroundings to the best of your ability. Um, I am nowhere near the end of this game. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to rage quit. This is definitely a game that I want to see through. Uh, but yeah, I do want to get this uh, review ahead, of, uh, review out on time because I, I think I've pretty much got the gist of it. But uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, we'll probably uh, just watch how the rest of the critical consensus goes. But 
the way the way it's feeling so far, it's definitely a four star game to me, and I definitely would not be surprised to see this be in my top ten at the end of the year, along with um, uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus, which uh, you know Chris just talked about, and you know I'm playing as well. So yeah, uh, that's Sifu. We'll talk about it some more next week once the review is out. But yeah, definitely loving it so far, and uh, looking forward to uh, what other people say about it. I think it'll retail for around forty dollars, which is like a little high for an indie game. But considering the PS5 doesn't have very many uh, uh, exclusives to, to begin with, it's probably going to be a good way to go. And yeah, uh, moving on to Pokemon Legends Arceus, I have about 10 hours into this game. Uh, this is one of those games that definitely revived my Switch. Um, prior to this, I was playing Metroid Dread, which I like, but I haven't like really gone back to it yet. But yeah, Pokemon Legends Arceus has found a way to like really grip me. Um, like I said last week, like it totally takes out all of the conventions of Pokemon that you know that you knew to the Legend of Zelda Breath in the Wild in the case where like you know it doesn't really follow the formula of a traditional Zelda over the past few years. But the thing with Breath of the Wild, and I haven't seen that many um, you know uh, experts, if you will, talk about it in this sense. But the thing about Breath of the Wild is that um, it was open world with the first game. You know, the first game was pretty much an open world game when it gave you the, pretty much the ability to go pretty much everywhere as long as you had the uh, the equipment. And all Breath of the Wild did was, you know, uh, instead of giving you a lim- uh, an equipment limitation, it just like let, let you do whatever you want. So um, while Legends Arceus does sort of have that limitation, at the same time, it feels completely limitless compared to the rest of the series. And that's what really brings me into it. Um, as I said, I'm 10 hours in. I just got through, I believe, the third uh, Rage of Pokemon. Uh, it's actually an Arcanine, which is pretty cool. Um, like, I'm a big Pokemon fan, but um, a lot of the boss fights I fought before were Pokemon that I don't even So with this one, it was pretty cool because, like, you know, I actually knew its weakness and I was able to attack it a certain way. Um, I wasn't really uh, crazy about the story when I first started, but as I've continued to play, um, it feels like it matters just a little more. And What's really impressed me about this game is just uh, the amount of, like, uh, or the depth to the various characters you meet. Like, at first glance, they're, like, they're, they're, they're whatever. But I feel like going back to this uh, chronological period has really given the game and its uh, world building some wings to spread. And, you know, at, uh, at the end of the day, like, it just feels different. And that's something that we've been waiting for this series for a long time. Um... I, last week I was talking about um, not knowing how certain things worked, and uh, one example that I didn't go over was the fact that in the in the previous games, as you level up your Pokemon, you go ahead and learn new moves, and if you liked if you liked any of those new moves, you had to go ahead and uh, choose one and delete uh, from from the four you already have. With this one, if you learn more than four moves, they actually won't just appear. You actually have to um, go into a menu pick the moves you want, and go ahead and switch from there. At the same time, you don't have to delete anything. They're all there at your disposal. You don't have to pay any money to get them back. And, like, it's pretty... It's a really awesome quality-of-life change. And it's nice to see that instead of just, you know, um, making things happen on their own, uh, they're actually just helping you uh, discover it in a certain way. Um, there are some disadvantages to that. Like, for example, like, my Pokémon wouldn't evolve for despite being over level 20 until I realized, oh, I have to highlight so-and-so and and then choose Evolve. So it's a little different in that regard, but I'm still liking the fact that, you know, I can actually just um, explore things and, like, play the way I want to. And then uh, Chris a while ago mentioned the fact that the the side quests don't really seem to matter. 
Um, I kind of like uh, agree with that in, in the sense where like nothing really helps you all that much, even when the items are important. Because, uh, yeah, the items may be important, but if you don't have the slots to put them in, that's a little frustrating in that regard. But at the same time, um, I'm glad that there's actually a way to, you know, sort of sift through the various uh, side quests you have. I just wish that, you know, you could do... I mean, you, you do have the option of uh, doing all of them at the same time, but you can only, like, waypoint uh, or choose uh, which ones to do, like, specifically um, one at a time. And I don't know if that's just a switch limitation, um, but that's definitely something that could have been done better. But when I think about it, once again, comparing it to Breath of the Wild, it was similar in that regard because it didn't really handle side quests all that well either. So I'm kind of thinking, well, this is uh, Game Freak's, I think, first big open world they've attempted. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're, they're kind of still new to it. And so there's going to be some rough edges around there. But from the reception that I've heard from people playing the game, it's like, yeah, it's it's got some issues, but there's definitely a solid foundation here that they can build on. Yeah. And, like, you know, we're going to talk about it later. Like, it sold $6.5 million in its first week, which means it'll be in the top 10 Nintendo uh, uh, switch sales uh, b- by the time next week rolls around because I believe uh, what's it called um, Ring, uh, Ring Fit Adventure is like a little bit over 7 or, or the high 6s like there is like Arceus will definitely surpass it in no time and that's crazy considering this is a there's only one Arceus game there's no blue and red version so it just goes to show like how powerful Pokemon is as an IP for Nintendo so yeah I mean I digress like Pokemon Legends Arceus is definitely a really fun game so far, and Nintendo definitely has a hit here, which is weird because they don't like. In my opinion, they didn't really market this game very well. But at the end of the day, like, did they need to? So. You know, it's Pokemon. It's going to sell regardless of what it is. So. But yeah, but that's about it. What about you, Phil? So me, I've been still playing Hades. Um, I'm probably a little late to the party, but uh, getting there. Uh, after my 52nd attempt, I finally got to the surface. So uh, that was great. Uh, and then I realized that I've only completed 10% of the game. There is a lot to Hades that I had no idea about. <laughs> so, uh, like, well, uh, there's actually a fishing mechanic in there that uh, you don't that doesn't get exposed until you're well into it. Uh, so there's there's that. There's a whole lot more of the house uh, improvements that show up. Uh, you get uh, the Pact of Punishment opens up, so you can add modifiers to your runs to you know, get better rewards and stuff like that coming out. Uh, the, uh, the interactions between characters are still really fun. It's it's just one of those games that I don't think I'll, I see myself uh, getting away from for a good long time. Um, and I absolutely detest roguelike games, but this one just has me for some reason so yeah you know they did a really great job with it so there's that uh, and apart from that well uh I, since i can't find a series x or a ps5 i decided to get myself an evercade versus system got that coming in this week uh and uh, that should uh, be pretty interesting because uh brand new cartridge based system for 2022 yeah that's that's a thing uh, don't know if any of you guys have ever, ever had a look at it, but uh, it's a pretty interesting concept. Uh, collections of uh, games on uh, cartridge. You slip them in, you play them, and uh, you're good to go. No, uh, 
you know, long downloads or anything like that. Just uh, great retro games and a very affordable, uh, easy-to-use package. It's uh, something I think probably should have been done a long time ago, but uh, these folks here at Blaze have actually uh, seemed to have managed to do it quite well. Uh, looking forward to getting my hands on that, and, uh, well, maybe I'll do a written review if you guys want it. Sure. Yeah, why not? Yeah. yeah. So, well, your, your hardware review, reviews actually get us good attention. So, uh, I am not opposed to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I kind of miss doing it. So, I might as well, uh, since I've got it coming in, I might as well take the time and uh, write it all out. So, there's that. And apart from that, well, uh, probably going to be building a PC uh, fairly soon because, yeah, it's been about four or five years since my last one. So, yeah, it's getting to be about that time. Just to uh, casually uh, randomly ask, like, how hard is it to build a PC knowing that a lot of the components are... Uh, well, actually, the only thing that's really hard to get right now is a graphics card. Uh, yeah. That's, that's kind of important, because... Yeah. I mean, yeah. So you could build a PC that doesn't have a graphics card and use the onboard for uh, if you buy an Intel or one of the AMD APUs, but... Uh, yeah, buying graphics cards right now is a little bit of a pain in the ass. So what I might end up doing is just looking at uh, specking out the kind of PC I would build and then seeing if I can find somebody, uh, a pre-built that, is, that has similar specs and go with something like that. Because, yeah. uh, you know, a manufacturer like uh, Main Gear or, or iBuyPower or CyberPower or whoever will probably have uh, a lot less problems getting graphics cards than I would. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to uh, seeing whether or not I was actually one of the first few to get a Steam Deck. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, those will start to uh, start shipping out fairly soon, from from what I hear. Yeah, later this month. Mm. So, and uh, that's pretty much it for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to add on to the Sifu thing. Uh, the time that your embargo's ending is when the deluxe edition early access starts. 7 a.m. tomorrow. Yeah, it's weird. Like we're seeing the Sunday embargo. <laughs> it's actually yeah. due at uh, 4 a.m. So, yeah, the I yeah. think the digital deluxe edition is actually gives you early access, you know, sometime this morning. Um, the thing is, I saw that their Twitter um, said that uh, people are having trouble with preload, which is totally weird considering, like, you know, the reviewers have review code, but for some reason the game won't preload. That's just weird to me. Yeah, it's, I pre-ordered that version for that reason, so I could stream it tomorrow. Uh, but it does say on here, like, That'll be live at you know in about ten hours from now, which okay. is, uh, yeah. but I assume it's not a huge download. Uh, nah, it's it, it took me about maybe two hours. It's it's maybe like like twenty thirty gigs something like that. Yeah, that'll probably be like thirty minutes or so for me. So it'd be just a thing of like, you know, I think is it at seven a.m. Uh, so I'll have to just when I get up remember to do that the first thing as I'm figuring out what to do. Uh, but I'll be able to play that at some point. I think I pre-ordered that in Ollie Ollie World, which are both out technically the same day on the 8th. Mm. Uh, Ollie Ollie World does not have a preload, as far as I know. Uh, but that game seems like as good as the other two games. Uh, but now just a you know more of a 3D-ish kind of world design more 2D 2.5D kind of design, but yeah, it's got some stuff coming out this week. Yeah, 
uh, these, these uh, um, I heard uh, Ali Ali World is actually a really really fun one too. So yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully these don't get uh, these don't fall out of the wayside, especially with um, Elden Ring and Horizon Forbidden Dawn or Forbidden West coming soon. But yeah, they definitely deserve the attention. Yeah, uh, that'll be fun. Those coming soon. Nothing really. Of course, when I look here at the the new stuff on PlayStation, yeah, Dying Light Two just came out, which. They advertised up front that there are 500 hours of content in that game, which is like, okay, no, I don't need that. <laughs> they did clarify that. Yeah, but you shouldn't come out saying, we've had a lot of shit for you to grind through if you want to be that person. Yeah, well, it wasn't a, wasn't a great look. <laughs> yeah, it's like, just tell people like how long like an average playthrough of your game is going to be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, a lot of the early reviews are out, and people are saying that it just takes them, like, around 20 hours to beat. But, yeah, I don't imagine that they're wrong saying that, you know, there's going to be 500 hours of content. But, you know what, if, you're, if, you're, if your core loop sucks, I don't know if people are going to get to the 500 hours. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I know that when I was 12 years old, like, I used to, like, saw to my parents, hey, Mom, like, this game is going to take me, like, 200 hours to beat, so it'll be a good value because I'll be good for a few, a few months. So. <laughs> Obviously yeah. now, like you know, with, with the age we are, it's it's different. But at the Got same time, I feel like every game is trying to be as long as possible, and you know that kind of sucks because you want to play more games. But at the end of the day, you know, if you have one game that you know takes as long as it takes to, takes to beat, or is as or is as uh, interesting as you know as Hades, for example, then you know why not? Like Far Cry Six, for example, last year, like took a hell of a long time for me, and there's still more content in there, and I, I liked the game. But that game took so much out of me that I only played two more games for the rest of the year because it just tired me out. Mm. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else is coming out. There's, yeah, we'll get to one of these pretty soon. Yeah, the Switch uh, Kingdom Hearts games are out this week. If you want to stream them all. For some reason. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, next week there is, oh yeah, the Star Wars The Old Republic uh, they got a new expansion. Let's see. Assassin's Creed, the Ezio Collection's coming to the Switch. Oh, yeah, King of the Fighters, uh, King of Fighters 15. Yeah. yeah, I have to remember to go buy that. Yeah, there's Total War, Warhammer 3. Horizon Forbidden West is on the 18th. The week after that's Destiny 2's next big expansion, Soul Cresta. Uh, what else is here? Yeah, Elden Ring is at the end of the week, and Grid Legends. And then, yeah, that's pretty much it for February. A lot of stuff there. Yeah. March is uh, ridiculous. We'll start getting on a few more things that are happening in March. Uh, mm-hmm. But before we do, we got uh, the new subscription stuff for PlayStation Now and Game Pass for February. Uh, for PlayStation Now, they are adding another of the GTA uh, in Definitive Editions, uh, Vice City. Uh, should be available now if you have PlayStation Plus. Uh, that should get you the uh, PS4 version until May 2nd. Uh, that is a fun game. I only started that on that collection there. Uh, but that was a lot of fun, especially playing a bunch of GTA 3 up to that point. Like, man, it'd be real. Though I ended up just taking a vehicle, uh, blocking both sides of the road with it. So you got that kind of thing going for you. Seems to be very kind of 2D indie kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. The last one is Death Squared. 
which I remember this game is sort of a a little puzzle game where you have uh, you're controlling robots, uh, you know, getting them around these puzzle levels. Uh, you can play co-op if you want to, uh, you know, get mad at your friends. Uh, I think they also have some more multiplayer stuff in there, so you can do that as well. Uh, but that's kind of that for the month, so get a chance to check out that Vice City at least. Uh, the other ones seem all right games, if they're your kind of game. So there's that. Uh, for Game Pass, they've got yeah, a decent amount here. Uh, let's see, out now there's Contrast, which is a uh, sort of a like adventure platformer kind of thing. It was also a PS3 launch game. Uh, PS4, uh, PS Plus game. I think it was the other game alongside Resogun that was sort of a PS Plus game for that launch. Huh. Yeah, set in like a, a vaudevillian world of the 1920s. Yeah, that's, that's the same game. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that game was good, but it had no platinum. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, let's see. There's Dreamscaper. Uh, Contrast is only on console and cloud. Mm. Uh, let's see. Dreamscaper console and PC is out now. It's an action roguelike. Uh, let's see. With a, wel- a waking and dreaming gameplay cycle. By night, you delve deep into your subconscious, facing nightmares in ever changing world. Build unique items, abilities, and challenges by day explore. Okay. This is like Moon Moonlighter. Forget that one where you're kind of exploring dungeons and then uh, during the day you're uh, doing stuff in the town. Yeah. So that one you're running a shop. This one seems to be more like talking to people and crafting stuff to take on. Get ready for the next night, essentially. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, let's see. Console and PC is Telling Lies. That's the new Sam Barlow game who did her story and was writer designer of Silent Hill Shattered Memories on the Wii. Uh, sort of an FMV game where you are, and it says, rolls around a cachet of secretly recorded video conversations around these people. And you're trying to figure out sort of who, I assume, who did the thing, mm. who did the murder, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, that was. Uh, her story was a big deal when that came out, and this one kind of was not as much of a big deal, but uh, still seems like a quality game. Uh, let's see. Okay, we're on the stuff that is out this coming week. The Siege. Uh, it's in early access form on console and PC. This is a physics building game, kind of like a uh, Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts kind of thing. We're constructing war machines to obliterate you know, fortresses, kill soldiers. Uh, whatever, solve physics puzzle type stuff. Yeah, I recommend um, you try this game out because it is ridiculous. Yep. Uh, so you kind of get the uh, sort of block building kind of thing that uh, Nuts and Bolts had for mm-hmm. that to build these things. So seems neat from what I've seen of it. Uh, let's see. Also coming out on the 10th is Crossfire, just for console. Uh, that is the single-player campaign... Uh, that is built by Remedy. Yeah. First-person shooter kind of thing. So there you go with that. You can check that out and see what Remedy's new thing is. Let's see. Also on the 10th, Edge of Eternity. 
uh, console and PC. That is the JRPG that game that was kickstarted and is a love letter to, I think, like the, the PS2 era of Final Fantasy games. Yeah. So there you go for that. Uh, Skull the Hero Slayer, also on the 10th, console and PC. Uh, it's uh, another action roguelite where, yeah, you're playing like a skull character that can lose your head and change that out with other uh, heads to get different abilities and such. So there's that. So let's see. Also on the 10th, The Last Kids on Earth and the Staff of Doom. Uh, there's a semi-open world action RPG. Uh, as you're doing like battling zombies and monsters as like, I assume in like a co-op-ish kind of game. Uh, yeah, explore zombie infested streets on your quest to stop Malandre, a powerful adversary from obtaining the Staff of Doom. Sounds like something you should do. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Also coming to console and PC on the 14th. Arc Ultimate Survivor Edition. Oh dear. So more of that. That's like at least a hundred gig download. Yep. Lots uh, of dinosaurs. That. Yeah, dinosaurs. Uh, poop. Lots of poop. Uh, Apparently, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, you can just poop and then uh, pick it up. I assume use it for stuff. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Also coming on the fourteenth, Infernax on console and PC is a. Let's see, The Adventures of a Great Knight who returns to his homeland, only find it plagued with unholy magic, uh, as it often happens. Uh, let's see. On your quest to find and destroy the source of this corruption by any means necessary, you'll face a ruthless you'll face ruthless creatures, dangerous beasts, and precarious terrains. None of that describes what kind of game this is. Nope. <laughs> okay, let me see what Steam says. Okay, it's a 2D uh, action RPG. Hmm. Hmm. Looks like like a Castlevania, you know, Metroid kind of thing. Mm. I'll give it a try. It's on Game Pass. Yeah. Well, it will be in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Next. No, Monday after next. Okay. Mm. Yeah, Valentine's Day. That's right. No. Yep. Day after the Super Bowl. So there you go. Good luck with that stuff. Uh, if you need more stuff to play, uh, let's see. Puzzle Quest 3 will be coming to PC and mobile on March 1st. This has been in kind of an early access form on mobile for a bit. Uh, I've been playing some of that on my Android phone. Uh, it's not bad for what it is. Uh, they've changed like the core puzzle mechanic completely, whereas before it was very much bejeweled yeah. kind of thing. Uh, this, you get a set amount of time to do as many matches with the current set of gems that you have. Hmm. So you're kind of trying to... You know, get as many matches as you can. I don't think there's any way to get like a you know extra turn kind of thing out of it from what I played. They might have changed it since I last played that like months ago, but I don't think so. But yeah, that's that's kind of how a lot of mobile puzzle games are. Uh at times it's like I oh, just do as much as you can. I think what was it? The uh I forget the the one of the, the big puzzle games in Japan was very much like that, but uh yeah, you have different uh, classes you can pick for that stuff. They have more uh, real-time multiplayer stuff in here. Uh, the 3D graphics it has are kind of PS1, PS2-ish kind of. Very kind of simple, low-poly look to them. Again, they might have also improved it at some point, but it's nothing really to write home about. 
Uh, but yeah, you're going around getting you know loot to upgrade your gear and all that kind of stuff. And there's you know daily quests and weekly stuff and all that kind of stuff. It's a modern game. So yeah, you can check that out. Uh, it's free to play for all that. So no real investment needed if you don't want to. If you're getting tired of Gems of War, it might be a nice alternative. Yeah. Though Gems of War is very much classic puzzle quest. So if the <laughs> the concept of doing as many matches as possible without the board like dropping uh, offends you, uh, mm. then go play Gems of War. Yeah. That's exactly what that is. Yep. And done really well. So do that. Uh, but let's see. March 4th, Gran Turismo 7 is out in a month, less than a month. Yes. That is ridiculous. Okay. That kind of snuck up on us, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, so they had a state of play, like 30 or 40 minutes of Kez uh, talking about many aspects of this game. Uh, I could tell that he was very much in his bag when he started explaining how clouds are formed and how <laughs> that all works. Yeah. Uh, and how they're simulating that so that, uh, you know, as the, the time changes during races, that kind of stuff, it looks right. Yeah based on the, the different locations around the world that these stages are set in. Okay, great. Sure. I don't know that I needed that, but cool. Well, Kaz is kind of like a detail-oriented perfectionist. I mean, he wants to simulate as much as he possibly can, and the PS5 is giving him an opportunity to do a lot more of that, uh, which begs the question, what is the PS4 version going to be like? Because that's the one I'm going to be stuck with right now. Yeah, uh, I think that that'll probably be pretty fine. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Yeah, the let's see what else. Where are the topics they have here? Yeah, they talked about music rally, which is one of the new modes, which is kind of a very arcadey kind of mode where you pick a. I think they have tracks for uh, the different songs they have in the game, and they have you kind of race through them, and you're trying to get as far as possible uh, as you're going to hit you know checkpoints to add more time to your clock. Yeah, uh, that kind of thing. As you're trying to aim for, you know, bronze, silver, gold trophy, that kind of thing. Uh, so there you go. There's a cool way that they're using the music. They also have a replay system that changes uh, views, you know, angles and all that kind of stuff based on the music. Yeah, which is neat. Uh, I just prefer the was it GT three where they had the the song that was at the end of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. When you failed. Mm. Uh, I forget what that song is called, but uh, yeah. Uh, he definitely made a big deal talking about like they have at least 400 cars and they're going to be adding more after launch. Uh, they even have used cars in the game. So if you want to get cheaper stuff that probably has more miles and maybe has more chances of, uh, I don't know if they break down in here, but needing more maintenance at least. Cause you have to, you know, change your oil and that kind of stuff and wash your car. Yeah. Well, you always had to do that in the Gran Turismo game. So it's just. Yeah. But not in sport. I don't think you have to do that in sport. No, I think sport is an experiment that they wish they could have back. Um, Cause yeah, I don't think it did quite as well as they were hoping. Mm. Yeah. But I think it also set a, a lot of things they are doing in this game. Mm. Uh, a lot of the UIs just from that. Uh, a lot of the, the daily and weekly kind of stuff they do in there is also coming back from that. Yeah, but yeah, there's like, no force like multiplayer in this one, so that's that's good. 
Yeah, but also you do have to be online to play the game. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Uh, let's see. They have the. It seems like a lot of the progression stuff is in. Uh, there's Gran Turismo Cafe, which is like a menu. They call it a menu book of activities to complete uh, to get new cars and other game progression goodies. Uh, yeah, so like uh, the first one is to acquire three Japanese compact cars, one of which we already purchased earlier. Uh, but how do you obtain the other two? By winning from specific races, called out in the menu book, that kind of thing. It seems like a, a lot of the progression is also uh, doing stuff in each of the tracks. They'll give you things to do. Yeah. Beyond just winning, just winning races, I guess. Uh, they also have the license centers back with all the different challenges and such there. Oh, great. So you can do that. Uh, there's also a bunch of tuning stuff in there. Uh, so you can, they did show off, they did a pretty cool little section where they showed off a like old school Volkswagen Beetle and show like what it is like with the default engine in there. And then they put in a new like sports engine and the sports engine, unsurprisingly, does well, laps around the old one. Yeah. It's like by the time the old one gets around like the first turn, you're already through two turns and the new one thing and it's like oh that's that's pretty neat uh so they have all that kind of stuff you can spend credits on uh let's see uh what else they show here yeah they got all the the photography stuff if you want to do that uh had some fun like modifications like oh you can take this car and give it a wide body modification if you want to make it ugly i don't know you know all that kind of fun stuff uh there's like online lobby stuff you can have Lobbies for people just playing the game, I guess. Whereas it's just multiplayer lobbies, and there's a lot in that game. Yeah, uh, I'm really, I'm really stoked for it. But it's been well years since the mainline Gran Turismo game, so yeah, uh, several years and two console generations before me since the last one. Yeah, yeah, and Kaz definitely talked about how he wanted this game to be something that can inspire love of cars in a way that's, you know, young people do not have in this day and age because everything is, you know, homogenizing in such a, a way where, you know, here in the U S it's all trucks and SUVs for the most part. Yeah. Bands are kind of going away uh, unless you're getting an electric vehicle. Yeah. Well, there's all, there's a whole like museum section with like car histories and yeah, stuff that like was in, that in there. sports and they're doing more of that. Yeah. Uh, we can learn more about how, you know, these different manufacturers started and all that. Hmm. I'm curious if they have a Tesla in here and what they say about Musk. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I'm sure they're not going to get too controversial in the way they talk about these companies. But uh, it's looking fun. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. So that'll be out March 4th. If you want to see the game in action, they do even have a... A 4K version of this state of play, if you want to see it in all of its yeah, glory. Like, yep. Uh, they uploaded that, I think, separately from the the main one, so you can check that out. Uh, but speaking of games that have been out for a while, GTA V uh, was supposed to be launching on PS5 and Xbox Series X and S last year, generally, uh, at some point, and that did not happen. Yeah. Now they have a date. March 15th uh, for GTA 5 and GTA Online, uh, the latter of which is going to be a PS Plus game uh, for three months. So if you have 
PS Plus subscription, you get that for free. Versus paying, I assume it's like either 10 or 20 bucks separately. I don't think they've announced any price stuff for that yet. And I'm pretty sure they're not going to offer any sort of upgrade other than give us the full price that we're asking for. Yeah, I don't yeah. think there's going to be an upgrade because... 20 well, bucks? Let's, let's be honest. I, I don't see it being 20 bucks. Maybe like 40. There is no reason to charge 20 bucks, but... You know, you know. Uh, well, hopefully they, they did would. Red Dead Online, and that was twenty bucks mm. as a separate release from Red Dead Redemption Two. Yeah. So I think GTA Online will be a little bit cheaper because. Oh. oh no no! They can uh, get uh, you online for sure. I'm just saying, like Grand Theft Auto, you know, five with online. Yeah, that, I, that could be forty, I, so that it's like yeah. 20, like sixty bucks yeah. together. Hmm. Perfect opportunity for uh for a game that uh, sold over hundred million units at this point. Money from. Hmm. It's the perfect opportunity to make up all that money they lost. You know, dropping five spots on the NPD. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They mention some of the improvements. Uh, let's see. GTA Online's improvements include the ability to skip the you know, story mode prologue for GTA 5, a revamped tutorial, and the new House Special Works Auto Shop. Uh, the new storefront lets players pick from a selection of vehicles designated to take advantage of the new hardware. I don't know what that means, what the other vehicles don't. Uh, let's see, a PS5 version of GTA 5 features 3D audio, DualSense haptic feedback. Uh, they got a trailer to show that stuff off, I guess. Uh, but yeah, for the new consoles, you know, post resolutions up to 4K, HDR, ray tracing, proof textures, draw distances, and up to 60 frames per second gameplay. Even more so than what you could do on the, the PS4 and Xbox One, but... That should look even a little bit better. I don't think it necessarily is going to be a huge difference, but any little bit helps for that stuff. Yeah. 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 Plus, they're just a bunch of... Hoping it's better than the uh, remastered, you know, Grand Theft Auto 3 of Vice City set. Should be, right? <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. They're not remaking them in a different engine. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that going on. They're just basically porting the engine forward, so... Uh, should be good. There's, plus, there's just a bunch of people who like will play GTA on yeah on I'm the just, newest console they can. So I'm just still at a loss on like how bad that was. I mean, like a current version remake of a PS2 game worse than the PS2 game. There, 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 there's really no excuse for this company to do that. So yeah, yeah. Well, there was a uh, there was a Matt McMuscles documentary on uh, YouTube about uh, the GTA Definitive Edition. Uh, yeah, you you find out why it was such a mess. So. Oh, I, I did not know that. Is, is that free? Yeah, it's uh, just look for what happened. Grand Theft Auto Definitive Edition. It'll come up. Gosh, I mean, like, yeah, considering like all they do is work on online, at least for that team. I'd assume mm. you know their A team is doing GTA Six somewhere, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a mistake that a company of of Rockstar's caliber should not be. Yeah, yeah, that's called being cheap. Short answer is Rockstar had nothing to do with this port. <laughs> yeah, they paid a. They have a company that does does these ports that they mm. purchased. That they probably did not give enough time and money to do it properly. <laughs> I'm gonna that's guess that's the summary for the whole thing. But they've been mm. doing updates, so it's gotten better. Yeah. I don't know if it's perfect by any means, but. No, it's, it's not perfect, but they've been fixing stuff as it's been coming up. Yeah, uh, they've, they've got three games worth of stuff to fix, so it's it's going to take a while. But yeah, it really should have been something that they just delayed and 
put out when it was ready, but you know, Rockstar wanted it out for holidays, and, well, that's what happened. Well, they didn't do that for GTA Online. Mm. Even though they delayed it for, like, a month after launch. Mm. Uh, then it was a shit show for a while, and then now it's the biggest thing out there. Yeah. So, so eh, they learned a lot from that, which is who cares how it launches as long as people keep wanting to play it. Yeah. Which is a great thing that everybody loves uh, big games doing. Yep. Uh, but yeah, if, speaking of the next GTA, they then followed this up because every once in a while, GTA 6 trends on Twitter as people are like, where the hell is GTA 6? It's been eight years since GTA 5 launched. Where the hell is the next game? Well, they said, uh, let's see here in a blog post, with the unprecedented longevity of GTA 5, you know, many of you have been asking us about a new entry in the Grand Theft Auto series. With every new project we embark on, our goal is to always to significantly move beyond what we have previously delivered. We are pleased to confirm that active development for the next entry in the Grand Theft Auto series is well underway. We look forward to sharing more as soon as we are ready, so please stay tuned to Rockstar Newswire for official details. Yeah. Which is like... six, probably 2024 is when I would think that they would probably launch it. Yeah, uh, this seemed very much like a stop sending us emails, stop harassing our people. Yeah, we're working on it. Shut up. Uh, So, yeah. Could be uh, straight GTA 6, could be, you know, in a new city kind of thing i don't think they're i don't know if they're going to do a spinoff or something like that mm. uh, like they technically did for gta 3 with vice city and san andreas mm. i think it'd be really cool if they went back to london yeah i don't know uh that might be neat though they would probably just do you know britain, mm. Great yeah. britain. like a, yeah. maybe leave ireland out of it <laughs> i don't know but you know the, there's some stuff they could do there or they'll just do what they usually do, which is do a bunch of kind of like uh, an album of it. Of yeah. stuff. Hmm. Stick to another, uh, American city and do plenty of, uh, lazy satire hmm. that kind of ages pretty quickly, uh, for some of that stuff. But yeah, this, uh, still happen. And now people can, uh, get mad that it's still not out yet. Yeah. It doesn't really solve anything other than, Confirming what everybody already knew what was happening. Yeah. But now you can give them another, you know, 40 to 60 bucks for more GTA 5 while you wait. Yeah. So, good job, Rockstar. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, the uh, uh, the MLB season may not be happening anytime soon based on the way uh, labor relations are happening there. Uh, but try as they might there will still be a game to play and will be the show 22 is happening it is coming out on playstation xbox and for the first time the switch they're mm-hmm. making the trek over to uh, nintendo's uh, system for baseball saving one more platform from having to uh, resort to rbi baseball <laughs> for their call. baseball fix uh yeah with a i mean switch. like the go ahead the, 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 the... The big, I mean, uh, I, I can't go into it too much because I can work on an MLB game. But, you know, the, the big story here is that it's on Switch also. So, and I think from what I've read, uh, when when they first made the announcement, they actually planned on having, like, some form of cross-play. I'm not sure, but, like, that would be huge considering I don't think, like, a core gamer is going to be getting a baseball game on Switch. Then again, you know, 
they don't want to be getting RBI. They want a premium one like, like like this. But considering that that's even on the table is surprising to me. Considering yeah, you have you know um, these platforms that are two generations ahead, maybe even more. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 definitely an interesting shot here. And yeah, Shohei Hotani is um so uh, good on uh, Sony for getting him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, He's... I did hear, like, I'm not sure if they're going to be doing cross-play specifically, but cross-progression is probably on the table. Uh, yeah. I think the idea is going to be like, you know, if you're in a season and on your Xbox and you got to go out and you got a long bus ride, well, you can continue it on your Switch and then come back home and still keep that progress. So that yeah. seems like a pretty yeah. good idea. That's definitely huge. And, like, I know that, you know, people were like, oh, man, it's too bad Sony lost an exclusive here. This is good for everybody. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the let's see the thing they're doing they're out April fifth. That's around when I think the season would be starting, but we'll see if that is actually going to happen in real life. Uh, but yeah, Shohei Otani is the uh, cover athletes. Uh, they are going to have full cross-platform play, cross saves, and cross progression oh, for all three versions. Something that's two K and EA cannot do. Uh, with any of their games, well, they could. They just don't want to. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to do because they want <laughs> you to buy uh, those other ones and spend more time and money on those. Which is strange because you would think that you know such a feature would make you consider buying more versions of the game, right? But yeah. What two K does is that they sell it for like five bucks on the Switch near the end of the NBA season. And even though it runs like shit and all that, um, oh yeah, it's total fire. It a bunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got that. I think two years ago, and I was like, "This nope. runs at like thirty frames per second at best." Uh, it's hard to you know make shots when you're paying attention, like the shot meter on that uh, kind of thing, and it looks terrible compared to what I had on you know other platforms. I was like, "Okay, no thanks." With that, uh, it was five bucks, so I was like, I didn't lose too much in the process, but geez. Mm. This one, uh, they are, I think there's already a Switch page, uh, eShop page up, and it's like a 17 gig download yeah. for that. So it's probably going to be uh, a nice looking game, so it's probably not going to be super, you know, look super great, like even yeah. the PS4, Xbox One versions uh, for that, but. It also benefits from it being a more slower paced game. You have like ten players on the on the field at any time, really. Yeah. So, with a couple of runners, but uh, there'll be a lower detail. But also, the stadium creator is going to be exclusive to the next gen versions, uh, so you don't have to. So there's not going to be on Switch for that. No. Uh, but yeah, you can transfer saves between Road to the Show and franchise modes on the different consoles. Uh, and your account progress will carry over for the Diamond Dynasty for that stuff. So uh, there you go. Yeah, you can. It's totally cool. <laughs> yeah, they've been doing that kind of stuff with MLB the Show. I'm. They still haven't revealed like all the the new gameplay stuff. I'm hoping they have the year to year saves, which lets you transfer your uh, Road of the Show or franchise save from the previous season to the the next game, mm. even if you are in the past in last season still mm. uh which i always wanted to do a video feature of getting all the uh, movie the show uh games on ps4 that have that feature 
and just play like one game, transfer it over, play one game, transfer it over and see how if I can stay in the past, you know, in 2014 or whatever in the, you know, the 2020 game mm-hmm. and fight for six seasons to get to the present <laughs> uh, kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's a fun little thing. Uh, let's mm-hmm. see. Yeah, the you can go to the, the show's website and they have FAQ stuff if you want to learn more about mm-hmm. that. But they'll also be doing reveals over the next month or two where they'll be talking about the new features and changes and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think the current game is on, Xbox, uh, is on Game Pass right now, isn't it? Uh, it is, I think. Yeah. And this yeah. new game will be on Game Pass as well at launch. Yep. Mm-hmm. People, th- people were thinking like that was going to cut into the PlayStation sales, but it had the best sales I've ever had on PlayStation. <laughs> they were even, yeah. I think MLB The Show outsold Resident Evil 8 on PS5. Wow. Which is like, yeah. Like, people that are buying it on for PlayStation are going to buy it on PlayStation. Yeah. Uh, you know, spending 500 bucks to get on Game Pass, especially for how hard it is to get a Xbox Series X or S, it's going to be Something that's not going to be so easily done for people, but yeah. Uh, in addition to this, since they have Shohei Otani, uh, a Japanese player in the uh, cover athlete slots, they had a uh, cool thing that they did here uh, where they had, I don't know why I had the wrong article on this, but they had a famed manga artist, uh, Takashi Okazaki, uh, do the artwork for it. The MVP edition, their sort of special edition here. Oh, I know why, because Google Docs now, when you try to change the URL on a linked bit of text, defaults to the uh, text, not the URL. So if you're not paying attention, you can just change the the, the title for a link Oops. to the link that you wanted to change to. Uh, but yeah, they did artwork there for uh, that cover that just looks awesome. For it, the uh, the base game will be, uh, I think it's sixty bucks for the older consoles and Switch, and seventy bucks for the new consoles. Uh, yep. This MVP edition is eighty five bucks, uh, and you get a special Steelbook edition at retail for that. Uh, I think that'll also be available digitally, if you want that. Uh, let's see, yeah, there's not going to be a deluxe edition physical version. It's the hundred dollar edition. It's only digital, so I think production issues are affecting that kind of stuff. So they're kind of yeah. toning it back a little bit. I think that's the one that would typically come with like a uh, like a, a hat or something to code to get a free hat or something. I don't know, mm. but yeah, you get a bunch of extra stuff with it: packs and stubs, and early access, four day early access for either edition you get. For that, uh, they're also continuing their partnership with the Jackie Robinson Foundation. Like a dollar from every version of the game that is sold. Uh, or no, the collector's edition. Uh, they donated a dollar to the Jackie Robinson Foundation uh, for this year. So, uh, so doing some extra charity work there for that. But yeah, this cover does look really good. Yeah. And the, they have the intro there that you'll see when you start up the game. That features a good bit of this artwork being animated as well so some cool stuff they're doing for that uh but yeah uh that is it for games with dates that we're talking about here 
Uh, we talked about last week there was a Yacht Club Presents going on and that they were talking about having a groundbreaking new game to show off, and it ended up being a game called Mina the Hollower, the new Yacht Club uh, game title. That yep. is, uh, They describe it as having an 8-bit, 8-bit aesthetic in the style of the Game Boy Color but refined for the modern era. Uh, so very much like a Link's Awakening style thing with maybe some Castlevania uh, stuff to it as well. Uh, they've never much talk about it in there. It's also on Kickstarter. Uh, they're not funding it solely through Kickstarter. It's for a means of uh, letting that add more to the game. Yeah. And I assume they're not going to do anything uh, crazy like uh, Shovel Knight where they promise extra campaigns. <laughs> take them many years to finish up. That kind of bit them in the ass. Well, make two yeah. games instead. Where they had to make like three extra games. <laughs> Oops. Uh, for that, but they made more than enough money to cover that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they are at $670,000 now. The goal was 311000 So they're doubled it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so far, that unlocks uh, an extra sound test mode, cheat codes for the game. New Game Plus is at 700 Mac and Linux port is at 800 I assume those will be hit pretty easily. You can yeah. back the game for a digital version for 20 bucks. Let's see. They're saying 100 bucks for a physical version, plus all the other bonuses that they're offering in the tiers below that. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff on there to check out. But if you want to learn more about the game, this Kickstarter page goes through a lot of it, of what's going on there and sort of the the aesthetics. I think they even go through like the the resolution stuff because it's at the technically the same resolution, but it's a widescreen uh, version. So it's uh, more pixels, you know, on the left and right than you would have mm. normally, but it's the same resolution as a Game Boy Color had. Yeah. But upscaled because literally a modern TV couldn't do that resolution. So yeah, yeah it scales up as mm. needed. Yeah. I mean, this game looks uh, incredible. Like, you know, it's, it's probably not going to be like Megaton announcement that they they had, but for me, it definitely is. Like as a huge Zelda fan, someone that played played a lot of pocket games in my day, I am super excited for this. And the only thing that I'm disappointed about is they're not see it until like what 2023, 2024. So, yeah, December 2023 is the current delivery date. Yeah, that, that means that means 2024. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gotta add at least one delay in there. Why, why the hell would you release a game in this? Um, but yeah, like I'm totally excited for this. I I want to kickstart it just to like you know secure a physical version of the game, but at the same time, um, every game I've kickstarted uh, failed to meet my expectations, so I probably won't do that. I'm talking <laughs> about Laylee and uh, Shenmue Three, but um, yeah. yeah though so, if you read their Kickstarter, they do mention that they should have physical versions available around the launch, like normal. Yeah. So, yeah. If you don't want to, if you want, you could just put the $20 down for a digital version and pre-order physical and probably come in under a hundred bucks at a cost here for the the physical copy here. Yeah. But like everything they've shown so far is like fantastic. Like there's a GIF on their actual page, like some of the game in action. And I'm liking the throwing axe. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's a simple idea. Like, Oh, let's go ahead and put a Castlevania throw in a a top down 2D Zelda game. 
and it's like, wow, how how have how, how hasn't anybody already? So yeah, I'm I'm just loving the creativity that the folks at Yacht Club Games has, and you know, I I love Shovel Knight. You know, that 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 was a side scroller, and yeah, I'm 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 excited that uh, Yacht Club Games is go ahead and like you know they're they're pushing the envelope, but at the same time like staying within their chronological realms. Here. I can't imagine what it would be like when they finally make a true like you know 3D game, but everything that far, I... yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure they'll ever will make a 3D game. Like literally this studio doesn't have to. It's uh yeah. they're they're one of these studios that are just so creative in in this art form that you know they can just take a generational style like maybe the next one they do is 16 bit and just show everybody how it's yeah, done. Yeah, you know? exactly. No, like yeah. I'm I'm thinking that they, they they should like, you know, continue to go these at the same time like just make incremental upgrades to their overall style like you know, we had the 8-bit um, side-scroller with Shovel Knight. We have the top-down game with this game. You know, they can continue to go up, whether it's 16-bit, 32, 64, going up to what we have now. I mean, you know, going back to uh, the Housemark thing, when they said that they wouldn't be making any more arcade games, and, you know, that sucked, but th- again, they came out with Returnal, which was beyond amazing. Um, obviously, like, you know, you don't have a PS5, Phil, but, like, I think that that's definitely a game, like, you would like. Um uh, and yeah, it's 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 the, just the way that like these developers have found ways to like modernize uh, certain old school ways of playing. Just you know, is it shows that the industry is a uh, in a solid place. Uh, I mean, yeah. as far as creativity goes, but you know, as far as the yeah. business, we'll talk about later. <laughs> oh dear, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They uh-huh. do mention here, where is it at? So, yeah, the the Game Boy's screen resolution was one sixty by one forty four. Mina's is 256 by 144, essentially the same screen real estate, but widescreen. And it's smaller than Shovel Knight's resolution was, internal resolution. Hmm. So that kind of gives you an idea. Yeah, they even show a comparison of like what their game would look like at a 4x3 Game Boy Color resolution yeah. versus uh, what they're actually doing. Uh, and they also talk about you know, the, the character models and such are keeping to a finite color palette. For that, yeah, limiting sprites to only four colors per eight by eight pixel tile. Uh, so that, I think they're actually going to try to release this on Game Boy. Well, I don't know that it would run because it's you know widescreen. Uh, that kind I'd of thing. I'd buy it. But, yeah, but I mean they they're already showing what it would look like on a four by three screen, making me think that you know maybe that's something that they really have in the plans to do. So you know, limited yeah. run is more than willing to. Uh, produce cartridges for people so yeah uh but yeah they got jake kaufman back to do the music uh said jake is imagining that our souped up fantasy game boy supported extra sound chip of its own has turned to the msx home computer and its beloved konami scc expansion to capture the lush haunting sound of this chip mashup so there's some two tracks they have here that you can listen to Mm. uh to get an idea of what that sounds like uh but yeah they are off to a good start on this thing. Mm. Uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, along with that, they talk about other stuff. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, they're partnering with FanGamer for uh, backer rewards, physical soundtrack, enamel pins, art book, and a plush for that stuff. So in case you're wondering where that's coming from. Yeah, that's, uh, that could be hit or miss if FanGamer has had some issues here and there, so... Yeah. We'll see how that works out. Uh, better than I am 8-bit, from what I've had history with. <laughs> no Man's Sky thing that was 
Not great. Mm. Uh, let's see. Yeah, the updates on other games. Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon is getting a free update uh, soon. Let's see. It's going to have the ability to control how fast the board fills up when you fall in battle. Uh, as before, you would fall if you have the the puzzle mode on, which lets you get at least a couple extra chances if you fail. Uh, now you can control how fast that fills up uh, before it's you know puts you back on. Uh, let's see multiplayer tips when the match ends. New portraits and a tally screen that now shows what the CPU's level is at. Uh, also including new playable character Random Knight. Uh, so when you pick it, he randomly becomes one of your unlocked characters. Mm. If you want just a random challenge to not know even who you're going to start with. Because uh, each of the knights controls differently how they play uh, in this sort of puzzle roguelike kind of mm. game. So yeah, there's that. They also have DLC packs. I don't know if they're paid DLC or free. Uh, they mention three packs, one that is online versus mode. So we'll play against friends around the world. Uh, mod support for the PC version of the game, which I assume means these are must be free. Uh, new playable characters, enemies, and bosses, relics and items, hidden secrets, and much, much more uh, for that. So that is one of the updates they offered. Uh, they offered an update to Shovel Knight Dig. That is the uh, sort of uh, what 2D like action digging kind of game that they announced a while ago. Showed off a new stage for that. And uh, yes, yeah, so you can check that out. And then the last one was just a one-year anniversary for uh, Cyber Shadow. Uh, mm-hmm. Announcing that they have sales going on for that, as well as the soundtrack is now on Bandcamp. That game is a fantastic soundtrack, so you can definitely check that out. And that was kind of it for it. Kind of the big thing is showing off Mina the Hollower. Uh, but I got some nice stuff for those other games. Yeah, so There you go. Yeah, I did love the, like my time with Cyber Shadow and looking through the options and realizing that... Um, they specifically put a lot of time into settings to make the game look crappier than it should. Yeah. So, so that was great. Always good when you can make games look like shit. <laughs> but that, that was, I did like the, uh, the basically bad wires setting that just puts like snow and crap all over the screen. It's like, yeah. Oh yeah. Nice. <laughs> oh, we figured out how to do particle effects. Hmm. Just put it everywhere. Yeah, so there's yeah. plenty of NES and Super Nintendo games that are like, yeah, let's do that. Mm. Well, maybe. But yeah, let's see. We got two acquisitions here, uh, both big ones. Uh, Wordle has been bought by the New York Times for what is being quoted as a seven-figure sum, uh, which mm. is which nowadays for... is a very small sum. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's great news for Josh Wordle, the creator of that game, mm. uh, as the uh, game was getting cloned and sort of ripped off at an incredible pace. Yeah. Uh, so he now gets to. He only created that game as a means for sort of his wife being able to have a a fun, simple little puzzle game to play with. Mm. Uh, even so much people are like, oh, you can hack it by just going into JavaScript. It's like he didn't make it like impossible to hack. That's not what was his his intentions were. So people are like, oh, you can find the word, and people created like Twitter bots to find people that were tweeting about Wordle and try and spoil the the word for the day to them, <laughs> which then got you know taken down by Twitter or mm. yeah, Twitter and I see Facebook and those sort of places. Yeah, you're just being a spam bot essentially. 
Yeah, I mean, like, that's just, you know, the territory of being a viral game. It's, you know, the intention wasn't, you know, it was, it was never for us, but, you know, it's glad that, or I'm sure he's glad that he found a way to, like, get it out to more people. Because, yeah, it is a really engaging game. I personally suck at it. But, um, yeah, like, as far as, like, it being viral and, you know, people just finding a way to cheat it, yeah, obviously that's not, that's not what it's for. And, you know, I can go ahead and empathize with the guy for, you know, like... Having to, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure he 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 just coded updates, but like you know, having to update it every now and then, or it's got to be an arduous process. And yeah, I mean, good good job on him for getting that seven figure sum. You know, again, he just made it for his wife, and all of a sudden, made more than a million dollars. And cool. And then like, as for the New York Times, like yeah, they they've acquired like they're all people subscribe to the New York Times just to play crossword. So yeah, Wordle would definitely be. Uh, good mix to it too um, i know that people mm-hmm. are mad about it like eventually not being anymore but at the end of the day like, like you know like I'm, I'm not saying the new times is a standard of journalism of journalism or anything but at the same at the end of the day like we got to keep those kinds of companies around because like that they, they they do report some good stuff and you know putting things behind a paywall at least for a journalist a way to make sure that they're paid like if if we don't have any sites or publications like this we don't have any more real news so yeah 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 and they seem like they will be keeping it free for the time being Mm. uh that may change at some point or they may do you know additional versions of it that are paid or whatever uh i don't know what the yeah that'll be but like we mentioned like they're they're also like you know some ripoffs some some of them are pretty good like gary sexual version called loodle it's actually hilarious so uh Mm. yeah but you know, um, I know that, yeah, again, just just going back to the fact that it's going to be free for a few more months, at the same time, is the craze going to last a few more months? Probably not, you know? So it's a good thing that, you know, this guy was able to cash out. The New York Times just has another good game to add to their news app, because, yeah, hmm. I think the way it works is, like, you have to have a subscription to even have the app, and all if you want to add the games, they're an add-on uh, purchase, and... Yeah, again, like people subscribe two times just for the crossword, so it's 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 good on them to find a way to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's get to an acquisition that's a little bit bigger. Uh, Sony has acquired Bungie for three point six billion dollars. Yeah. A little bigger. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, and it is a very interesting deal that you can tell that they studied the messaging around the the Microsoft and Activision Blizzard deal where the just the concept of what is going to stay multi-platform and be exclusive was just a huge mess coming out of that because that deal is not even going to be finalized for another year much less can you know Microsoft or Activision Blizzard or Sony even say anything beyond like well we have some contracts so those will be held into you know accounts for the time being and they'll figure out things later. Uh, but here, they're very much saying up front, like, yeah, Bungie's going to be an independent entity uh, under the you know Sony umbrella, but separate from PlayStation. They'll still keep publishing their own stuff, uh, and that stuff will stay multi-platform. Uh, so, yeah, Destiny 2 is not going to become an exclusive anytime soon. Uh, it would be a huge negative for that game to take it away from the the people that are dedicating you know their money and time into that mm-hmm. already on these platforms, especially because I think 
they have a deal with Microsoft for uh, getting those expansions on Game Pass at launch. Yeah. So much like Microsoft is not going to break contracts with Sony's, uh, Sony's not going to break contra- uh, contracts with Microsoft mm. on any of that stuff, because especially they would like to have that extra money, help recoup a little bit of this cost. But they're also uh, investing into this team because of what they can bring to Sony and the other stuff they're working on besides Destiny. Because uh, they do have at least one other game that they're working on. Uh, I believe Nexon invested in uh, Bungie to help fund that thing, whatever that is, like two years ago. Yeah. So they got at least one new thing in the works. They might have two. Uh, and this is also a big live service game for them to have under their umbrella at this point. Because like, their only one really at this point is MLB The Show. Is yeah. a big live service game, and people, when they think about this stuff, conveniently ignore it because it's a sports game, and nobody cares about those except, you know, how Madden and FIFA and NBA 2K uh, dominates sales lists all the time, and MLB The Show does well on the the, the first few months of its launch. So, uh, but this will add, you know, one of the biggest uh, free to play games out there, Destiny 2, to their portfolio and. Their teams will have uh, the ability to, you know, learn a lot from Bungie for how to do uh, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, that was one of the parts of the deal was their tooling and their back-end infrastructure expertise. And um, the fact that Sony is uh, a big part of this deal, about half of it is uh, basically a what amounts to a trust to actually be able to pay Bungie's employees uh, going forward. So. Yeah. You know, it seems like the their Sony is investing here for the long term instead of for short term gains. So, yeah, uh, so it's a smart smart investment, I'd say. I yeah. think uh, you know, Bungie yeah, is the, um, more than a third of that sum is just to like retain the employees. Uh, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Considering most of the time, like people leave after something yeah. like this. Yeah, you know, they're they're offering them the employee stock options, so that's good. <laughs> and yeah, all that yeah. kind of good stuff. So. I remember uh, when I when I woke up and uh, you know saw the tweet. Like I'm pretty sure it was fake, but uh, you know Wario 64 and a whole bunch of like other that you know I know and trust. You know where we're posting, and I was like, wow. So I when, when I read about it, and then after I read it, I was like, wait, this can't be real. Why would you buy a company for 3.6 billion dollars and not make this stuff exclusive? Which yeah. it makes yeah. sense in the sense that um, you know obviously Destiny is already out for like everything right now so yeah you don't want to mess with that but future ip they've already gone ahead and it's not exactly going to be playstation exclusive then again they didn't actually go out of their way to say xbox i'm pretty sure they're saying multi-platform meaning you know ps5 ps4 and pc just because we've mm. seen a bunch of playstation games go on pc as of late yeah uh, but yeah you know, but it also could be that stuff is far enough out that yes yeah, it, 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 it might it, be for the next xbox that, or something yeah mm, yeah, and again, we'll we'll, we'll see uh, as as far as their like new IP goes, but that that's not going to be for. Uh, but yeah, like the main thing, you know, like, like we, um, a big portion of that sum was to be able to retain their employees, which is huge, and like you know, just trying to read it from a, uh, from an industry standpoint as like someone that, yeah, obviously you want to be keep people, but at the same time, like, I was like, oh, cool, you know, we'll be able to have those Sony stock options. We'll be able to upgrade from an indie 
um, benefits package to a AAA benefits package. So that's going to be huge for them. And yeah, like yeah. you guys have mentioned, like they they have a they have a free to play option, uh, game game as a service. Because as, as you mentioned, like all they had was MLB. So it'll be interesting to see things moving forward. But you know, just just to put it out there, like Sony is not doing this to fight Microsoft. Like they didn't just do this out of the blue. This is something that no. takes a lot of conversations behind closed doors for months at a time. And yeah, it's it's pretty big and it's really interesting considering the fact. You know, again, I woke up and all of a sudden, um, Microsoft owns the studios that make, you know, Crash Bandicoot, and then Sony owns the, owns the studio that made Halo. It's just uh, an inter- interesting world we live in now. The consolidation, gaming industry as we move forward. Um, what what'll be interesting to see is if somebody moves forward with a with a Game Pass al- alternative or competition because. You know, we've we've been saying that consoles are going to be outdated, and as Microsoft has shown, services will be key. So, knowing what Sony is doing uh, moving forward, an interesting spot to see like what exactly is happening with you know the world doing the, the metaverse. Yeah, uh, this is definitely a cool move. Again, like a lot of people are worried about Bungie being owned by a triple day. Um, it makes it easier for them because, you know, the heads of Bungie don't have that and actually so, you know, Sony can go ahead and report their profit by talking about how much Destiny which is huge for them. And, yeah. you know, they've already been there. they're already doing the same thing with So it's a good move by Sony and I'm looking forward to we've seen a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh the the thing that really is kind of uh, interesting about this is, is Sony investing in live service games, which is the the one thing they don't really have in their portfolio. If you want, you know, uh, single player games, even you know, general multiplayer games, like they've got plenty of those things. They are you know top notch in the industry in terms of single player games, uh, games that are evergreen, that keep making money for years on years on years. They don't really have, you know, MLB the show is there the closest thing they have to a major live service game. And that's, you know, is a game that naturally uh, trails off at a, a year of being out. You know, they do this, their seasons are called innings and they're in like the 11th inning. I think at this point as like the last of the uh, bits of live stuff they're doing before uh, the next game's launch here so this is sort of them i think there's been other stories where they you know have plans to have you know upwards of like 10 live service games uh out by like 2025 2026 something like that uh which makes a lot of sense with some of the other deals they've made with devotion games which are a bunch of former uh call of duty devs uh they have uh the jade raymond game uh, studio that's Haven that I believe is working on some sort of multiplayer thing. Uh, they've got you know a bunch of partnerships out there with other studios that have plenty of good uh, history with this stuff. Uh, so it makes sense that they kind of want to move into that arena that they haven't really done too much of. They've done some free-to-play stuff here and there over the years. Usually been small budget stuff that you know if it takes off, great. If it doesn't, it's not a a huge financial investment for them uh, for that stuff. Uh, so that's, you know, kind of where they're at on this is sort of 
let's take a trip into this new arena of game development that you know requires us to stretch out to these other companies and they brought in one of the biggest ones out there with Bungie who you know has a lot of expertise on their own because they've been doing this stuff since 2014 I think the first Destiny launched and so they will certainly be able to pull from a lot of experience of how to fuck things up uh, how to make things right and then fuck them up again and then make them right again as Destiny 2 seems to always be in a weird loop of of making things better and worse for uh, the way their fans want to play those games but uh, yeah this is kind of their next step and they're seem to be uh, fairly open to letting those games launch on other platforms uh, because they can still make money off of that uh, versus just you know requiring people to only have their platform to get all of their games. Because it, much like their PC releases, were like, oh, if you want the next, you know, Horizon game, you know, get a PS4 or PS5, get the next one there, you know. Like, this got a war, we're going to have, you know, a new one here later this year. Uh, you know, they can get those games on those other platforms and be like, oh, you want uh, some more, you know, Sony stuff? Uh, you know what? You can get a PS4 or PS5. Uh, check it out. Kind of thing. Let's them have that kind of angle in there as well. So, any of the uh, the price is also a thing I've been seeing people like, oh, why they spent $3.6 billion for, you know, a developer? It's like, one, because the stipulations they're requiring makes them uh, like there was some talk that it potentially started at like $5 billion for this, uh, but they managed to get it down to 3.6 because of the the various requests, because you can tell that Bungie has been burned a lot by being, you know, in owned by companies or in long-term partnerships with other companies, uh, where, you know, being with Microsoft, they were not really allowed to work on their own things. Uh, so they had to split off from Microsoft to work on something other than Halo, uh, which they were working on, I think, while they were finishing up Reach, Halo Reach, and uh, then the Activision deal, which... I think it had stipulations where if they didn't make certain milestones, like Activision Blizzard would begin to own more and more of Bungie, which is a hell of a deal to make. And somehow they came out of that being able to sort of amicably split a few years ago to keep working on Bungie on a Destiny 2 and make it a full free-to-play game and sort of work on it to the extent that they wanted to on that stuff. But they get a a more stable ownership company with Sony who has a great track record of kind of like letting studios just kind of work on the things that they want to work on as long as it, you know, makes sense. And even then Bungie's like, we have to be, you know, fully independent to work on what we want to work on and not have to answer to, you know, higher ups to approve the projects that we are, you know, working on. That kind of thing. So even on top of what, you know, the freedom that a naughty dog or sucker punch or whatever gets, uh, Bungie is even getting their own sort of thing. So they're going to be kind of like a a Sony online entertainment compared to PlayStation in a sense. And that's a that's a as good of a place as Bungie has been uh, in a long time because they get some stable funding, uh, but also get the support of a PlayStation to make that new game. Uh, without worrying about 
Sony coming in like, ah, we want to fuck with you for no reason other than we want to make more money off of this. And it seems yeah. like it's a good deal for both sides. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to work out good for both of them. And it kind of means that, uh, you know, going forward, Bungie has uh, like a stable uh, platform to build on with the, with Destiny and all that stuff that they're currently doing. That's going to keep on growing on every single platform that they release it on. And, but it also means that they don't really have to worry too much about the rug being pulled out from under them. So that's yeah better. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how how this grows as we see, you know, whatever else they're working on. Because now they have the the platform to be able to just hire hire more people into the Sony you know employment uh, ecosystem. Uh, but yeah, anything else you guys have to say? No, I'm good. Yeah, All right. No, I'm just pretty excited to see, like, you know, where it goes from here. I mean, obviously, Microsoft made a whole bunch of deals over the past few years, and we've only seen, like, two huge announcements um, from their E3s or whatever, pressures as of late. And, um, yeah, so, again, like, it's, it's, it's just interesting seeing, you know, Microsoft and Sony in a way, like, throw their haymakers at each other while, like, Nintendo has, like, oh, cool, you know, we have Kirby fishing, so you guys do your thing. Yeah. Yeah, people are like, oh, Nintendo should buy Take-Two or something. It's like, no, they don't. They, they don't can't care. Take-Two, so, uh... <laughs> yeah, they might be able to, but they wouldn't want to because the, they generally only buy companies that they, you know, have long histories with. And Take-Two is not a company they've worked with all that much yeah because they bought what next level games who made you know a couple of luigi's mansion games and a bunch of other stuff for them and it's like oh you guys didn't do that with the uh the mario rpg people they just made wait make a, a 3ds remake of one of their older games that failed and they had to shut down yeah it's like oh if anything like if they buy a studio it'll probably be like you know, mercury games or whatever they- yeah mercury steam yeah, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, it's uh Nintendo's just doing their own thing cuz we'll get to that in a little bit, but Sony uh despite the seemingly good news of the uh the Bungie acquisition, financial stuff has been coming out for companies as their quarterly earnings had to be disclosed. Sony's uh is generally really good. Uh they've like made more money in this past quarter than they've ever done, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the once down note is that their uh, forecast for the PS5 uh, for the next full year is being lowered from 14.8 million units to 11.5 million for the financial year ending on March 31st because, uh, you know, the supply chain stuff has really hit them hard. Uh, they're selling every single PS5 they make. Uh, they're just not able to make as many as they would like to be able to. I think at this point, they are behind the PS4 sales. Uh, like the, the most recent numbers that they're hits, like, like 17 million sold. Uh, but at this point, the PS4 was at 20 million uh, because the PS4 did not have any issues producing units at this point a year in. Uh, and that's helped them out a lot. PS5 is not having that luxury. Luckily, they don't have anything sitting on shelves. They're pretty much selling everything they can. But yeah, that's the the one down note is that's yeah. Uh PS5 is uh going to be uh not doing that well. That's why they announced uh a few weeks ago that they're gonna be making 
some more PS4s, uh, just to have more stock to put out there and sell. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of the the one down note for them. As much as people try to, I've seen people talking like, oh, Sony's losing the console wars. Like they're in first place, I believe, them and Xbox. It's like they're not losing anyway. Both companies are doing really well. I know they had a chance to get a Xbox Series X, but it was a tough pill to swallow to spend. I think I had one with uh, GameSpot, a bundle that was nearly 700 bucks. That I was like, oh, I can take that five dollars from the 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 pro membership thing, and that's six ninety five. <laughs> I was like, that's still not a discount on it uh, for what I was getting. But then the GameFly had one was like six hundred bucks with uh, an extra controller and uh, some extra subscription time for GameFly, and I was like, that one almost gets there. And I was like, uh, I want to see if I can get a Steam Deck here because i still have a q2 reservation for that uh, and hoping enough people pass on it that maybe i could get one earlier maybe in april march i don't know but for the time being yeah that's kind of that uh but yeah sony has uh some good news here or microsoft has or nintendo has some good news here uh the switch has surpassed 103 million units sold Surpassing the Wii, uh, it's at 103.54 million Switch consoles sold. Uh, I think above the Wii and the the PS1 at this point. Yeah, the Wii was 101.63 million, which shows just how different those two systems were. Because this, the Wii is still hot out there, uh, still selling mostly every unit out there. You can probably still find some on shelves here and there, but not. Not in great numbers, mm. but uh, yeah, still behind the the Game Boy at 118.69 million and the DS 154 million. And yeah, everything Nintendo's saying like, oh, we're only halfway through. And I'm like, the system can barely handle the games that you're putting on it at times, uh, much less having to wait another five years uh, for that. But I assume they. Uh, are going to have some new system here in the next couple of years uh, to extend the life cycle a bit. But yeah, they did release numbers for games as well. Their top 10, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is at 43 million units sold. Animal Crossing at 37, which is a remarkable number because it is coming up to, what, two years old it's almost at. And it's almost the number one top-selling game on the Switch. Versus a game that came out, I think, the first year the Switch was out. Uh, let's see, number three is Smash Brothers at 27 million. Breath of the Wild at 25. Pokemon Sword and Shield is at 24. Super Mario Odyssey at 23. Super Mario Party at 17. Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee at 14. Uh, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearls just under 14 at 13.97 million. And Ring Fit Adventure is number 10 at 13.53 million units sold to date. Yeah, three of those games are Pokemon games. And people act like they are failures. Because they're more of the same most of the time for those games. It's kind of wild uh, the way that the, the hardcore fan base talks about it. Uh, but also having Ring Fit Adventure there at number 10 shows how kind of interesting and well done that game was. 
Uh, but yeah, let's see. Speaking of Pokemon games selling, we have our first numbers here for sales there at 6.5 million copies in the, its first seven days, which is incredible. And it probably helps out a lot that there are not two versions of this game that are out there. Uh, it makes it a lot easier for people to just buy the one thing. Don't have to worry about buying like an $80 or $120, you know, bundle of both games uh, to switch back and forth to make sure you get all the Pokemon, uh, whatever. But that seems like a, uh, a game that is going to do really well because it's sort of the freshest Pokemon game they've released in quite a while. It's doing well from what I can see. And it also kind of proves that uh, the whole concept of uh, having two versions of the same game doesn't really need to happen anymore. So. Oh, well, they've done it for the other three mainline games they've done, but... Yeah, do you think they'll keep doing that, though? That's the, that's the thing. People buy it. <laughs> they sold 28 million copies of a game that did that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I was just at two targets for actually no reason uh, for gaming, but I guess, you know, I, I walk because, and none of them had any copies of RCS aside from digital download cards. So, um, yeah, this news does not surprise me at all. Um, yeah. well, I mean, that sold, well, it, it, it surprises me in the sense where 6.5 million in a week. Is, so that's surprising, but the, the, the part that that doesn't surprise me is just the fact that, you know, it's, it's just so popular. But yeah, like it's 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 insane. But yeah, they totally deserve it. It's it, it, it's a hell of a game. I have no complaints. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And they are kind of. I think this one is about half of the number that the uh, which which ones was it that the other ones were? Let's see. Yeah, let's go. Pikachu and Eevee was fourteen, and Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl was just under fourteen. So this is almost halfway to those in one week which kind of shows you how the appetite for something that was different, uh, but meaningfully uh, improved over some of that stuff uh, was. Versus just people buying games that are largely the same thing as they've been since, you know, the first game. But, you know, Breath of the Wild kind of showed that that was also very much a, a thing that they should have given a shot at some point. And luckily they finally did, and it's paid off big time. Uh, but yeah, let's get to this uh, next here. Is, uh three companies that have done bad things. Uh, one, Activision Blizzard. Huge surprise. Uh, nobody would have expected this, but uh, in the process of this whole negotiation that's going on with uh, Raven's QA workers that have uh, won the right to unionize and are working on some sort of deal with Activision to acknowledge that, you know, Acknowledge our union and actually, you know, negotiate on a new deal for them. Uh, there is this uh, message from their Slack from, uh, let's see, Activision's Vice President of Quality Assurance, Chris Arends, that he posted basically with this like kind of FAQ of sorts uh, for people on this, which starts off relatively. Uh, benign on this stuff, but then gets into uh, some questions where it goes sideways, uh, saying, we heard that the union will protect employees and provide employees with job security. Job security here at ABK rests with our ability to produce epic entertainment for our fans. 
a union doesn't do anything to help us produce world-class games, and the bargaining process is not typically quick, often reduces flexibility, and can be adversarial and lead to negative publicity. All of this could hurt our ability to continue creating great games, while many union contracts include a just cause provision and a grievance process, this is really just a different way to deal with disciplinary issues. Even union contracts with just cause and grievance procedures still allow companies to enforce disciplinary rules, and CWA members are disciplined and terminated, even with these so-called protections. Which is like, wow, going out to say a union doesn't do anything to help us produce world-class games is very much a exec way of putting that. Of like, you guys thinking you have rights doesn't help us make big games, world-class games. While people say like, when was the last time you made a world-class game? Yeah, it's not wrong, other than just games that sell well, but that doesn't mean anything, really. Uh, let's see the other one here. How do you compare bargaining with a union to a direct relationship with a company in terms of changes for an individual employee? In a direct relationship model where you and the company share goals, agreement is quick, and the company can swiftly make changes. I'm going to add subtext there. We can fire you at any time you want for any reason. Uh, in a bargaining model, agreement and change comes quickly only where the union has the exact same goals and also has no additional goals that it would rather insist on. It often takes months or years to come to a collective bargaining agreement. A unionized company cannot act quickly on its own if the union does not agree with its position. In both situations, the company remains free to disagree and maintain a different position, which is uh, certainly a way to go. Uh, trying to act like unions drag down the process of communicating back and forth on issues is maybe uh, a hell of a way to go. Where it's like, yeah, you guys could do whatever the fuck you want without a union. That's the point. They want a union to have uh, some buffer there so that you can't just do whatever you want. Fire people even though you're making you know, more money than any company has ever made that kind of stuff. So the employees get uh, shit canned for no reason other than the company wants to make even more money with less overhead and all that. So yeah, this, uh, not really surprise that, uh, that was uh, a thing that they would share. Luckily it has been, you know, screenshotted and brought out to the public. Uh, but yeah, that's uh fun. And, uh, Always great for this stuff in the middle of an acquisition with Microsoft. So it's like, good luck, Phil, cleaning all of this shit up. So it seems like they just want to uh, drag all this out as much as they can. Maybe make it Microsoft's problem instead of their own. Uh, so there you go for the Activision Blizzard news of the week. Uh, let's get to our second company here, Ubisoft. Uh, they uh, last week were famously had one of their VPs of Strategic Innovations Lab Nicholas Puyard basically being flabbergasted that players don't get what good NFTs, uh, you know, bring to the table. And so now I guess their latest thing is just like, I will just give our employees NFTs, even though they don't want it. Uh, especially here, giving out special 20th anniversary NFTs to members of the Ghost Recon team. Because uh, that series has hit its 20th anniversary. Uh, see, one developer likened it to the staff saying, we hate this crypto stuff, and Ubisoft responding with, okay, come get some. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, let's see, uh, talking to people in Ubisoft about this stuff, uh, one saying, it's three to four years of working for a fucking auction house. 
in terms of integrating NFTs into these games. Uh, players on, yeah, yeah, Ubisoft prepared special Quartz NFTs specifically for developers on the Ghost Recon Breakpoint, Breakpoint team. Uh, so that their, I guess their characters in the game can have these special Ghost Recon 20th anniversary hats. Which is like a, oh great, another stupid skin that nobody wants. Uh, let's see. Yeah, that's uh, that's always great to see. Yeah, I, I don't know how giving them one actually helps. Like, yeah, obviously there's some resellable value to it, but uh, I'm gonna guess there isn't either because that would be the first thing I try to do if they try to put. Yeah, they're not. There's not really much of a market nope. uh, for it on the the quartz marketplace. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think people have looked into that and like the amount being sold were not very high, and they noted that there was kind of like one person just trying to acquire as many of them as they could to like corner the market. But it's for things that people aren't really interested in, uh, especially for these like ghost recon breakpoint items where it's just like, it's kind of a boring version, like skin of these certain things. That's like not even anything flashy. Like you could get out of like a, if you go to Fortnite and look in their shop, like those are all like flashy, generally well-made items that you know, are appealing in some way. And these don't, seem to have that in any way so it's like if you're not even making them flashy or interesting why do you expect people to make a big deal about this stuff and you know try and sell them and make money off it's like yeah that's not going to happen it's like the number one thing if you're going to make you know cosmetics for your game is make them interesting so people want them not drab and boring with a barely noticeable number on them to denote that they are limited items. And that's just kind of the, the big issue here for Ubisoft is I assume they got some other games with NFT stuff in the works, but you know, game development takes a while. So this is just the, the one example they have for the time being, and it's not looking great, but the, the real fun thing about all this NFT stuff is that as much as it backfires for every company that announces it, Somebody else always steps up thinking like, oh, we're going to hit the home run. We're going to get through this wave of negativity. And nope, they never do. And so this week's uh, you know, team to step up is Team 17, the makers of Worms, uh, announced a, what do they call it? The, the Worms, uh, it was like Worms NFT. I forgot what the specific name of it was the Meta Worms NFT project. And within 24 hours, they had canceled it. As, you know, a lot of their fans uh, pushed back, as well as the number of developers that work on games for Team 17 also put out statements. Uh, there is the, yeah, the Going Under developers, Agro Craig put out their own statement saying, we at Agro Craig, or Agro Crab, condemned Team 17's decision to produce and engage with NFTs. We believe NFTs cannot be environmentally friendly or useful or really just an overall fucking grift. Uh, please do not harass employees at Team 17 or the devs under their umbrellas. This decision seems to have taken everyone off guard. Like it came from the very top. Needless to say, we will not be working with them on further titles and encourage other indie developers to do the same unless the decision is reversed. I fucking hate it here. Nick and Kalen. Yeah, that was the best uh, line in that whole thing. Oh, I fucking hate it here. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Playtonic put out a very similar message with less cursing in it. Uh, 
and the Overcooked team as well put out another message, all saying like, "Hey, don't harass the the community uh, people. They're not the ones that did this. Uh, don't harass the developers as well. They're just as surprised as you are about this stuff. Let the you know the so be nice in your uh, your messaging, but also be forceful." Uh, and then it worked because they announced uh, uh, less than a day later, Team 17 is today announcing an end to the MetaWorms NFT project. We have listened to our Teamsters, development partners, and our games communities, and the concerns that they've expressed and have therefore taken a decision to step back from the NFT space. So, great. You got your 24 hours of uh, infamy there, being the, the current... Uh, target of people uh, attacking you. So good job, Team 17. As if people already aren't mad about, you know, any Worms project you make because it's not as good as the one that they grew up with. Uh, that kind of thing. You've uh, made sure to step on them once again. So good job. Uh, but yeah, that is going to do it for the show this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you to Phil and Dan Reb for joining this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be back next week with a new show. I think we'll be also recording it earlier uh, because the Super Bowl is next Sunday. Uh, so it's uh-huh. just a back-to-back uh, bad situations in scheduling, but we'll figure it out. But uh, yeah, we'll be back with a new slate of news. Uh, if you enjoy the show, feel free to let friends and family and select strangers know uh, that you enjoy and they should check it out. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with a uh, new show. So thank you everybody for tuning in and we'll see you all next time. Have a good one.